0: Oh boy! What is up? Welcome in. It is post loons. It is March twenty fifth, two thousand twenty three. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Back on post loons after a bit of an absence to start the twenty twenty three season. I've been focusing more on the writing side and the the day to day match coverage side of things here. But I am super stoked to be back on the post loons post game show tonight. And alongside me. Uh, You know, somebody who, you know, dare I say, has become a good friend of mine in the Minnesota United community over these last couple of years. Um, Complimentary podcaster, I should say, for Minnesota United, the host of Pod On You Loons. It's Mr. Cheesehead Sam himself. Sam, how are we doing?
1: I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back on.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you back on. We've done a few of these and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, tonight, you know, we may not, you know, be uh, doing this podcast under the most fun circumstances, but I am excited for our conversation. Um, before we get into everything we have to get into, I have a feeling it's gonna be a very long conversation tonight on Post Loon. So strap yourselves in everybody, get ready for the show. Um, to let you know that if you are watching on YouTube, you can leave a question or comment in the chat. We will respond to it on the air. We have quite a few questions already to get to. So if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can leave a question. If you're watching on Twitter and you wanna submit a question, you're gonna to have to go to our YouTube channel. You can watch, you can hang out, you can have a good time on Twitter. But if you want to kind of submit a question or interact with the show you're going to have to do that over on our youtube channel so just go to youtube and search post loons or search soda soccer or just head to our twitter account at soda soc you should find the link to the youtube version of post loons there um while you're here on youtube tap that bell to be notified when we drop a new episode of post loons or a new video a new interview on our youtube channel make sure you're subscribed to the channel all that good stuff uh, to make sure that you're getting our content in your feed, you know, notified whenever we drop something new here on the YouTube channel. We're trying to grow that YouTube following. You have like 120 subscribers. would love to get that up to like 150 by the summer, uh, but we can only do that if y'all subscribe. So make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and also just make sure you're following us at sodasoccer.com on Twitter at Soda SOC. Let's go ahead, Sam, before we get into our three things, let's jump into a few of these comments here. Paul Forrester, He's kicking things off. He says absolute BS. And I have to imagine he's talking about the length of uh stoppage time there. We were given six allotted minutes on the board. Um, Adrian Heath said after the match he was told that the goal was scored at 7:32. Um, so a good minute and a half. We've seen extended stoppage times before, but uh you know. I don't know about you Sam and I guess we can jump into this particular topic right off the bat so we don't have to spend all night talking about it. To me it didn't seem like there was really anything that warranted, you know, 90 extra seconds, 2 extra minutes to stoppage time. I get it if there's a sub, I get if there's, you know, an, an extended time of somebody being down hurt. Um even, you know, some poop houseery can uh can extend stoppage time a little bit, but in this time it, it didn't really seem like there was much to extend stoppage time nor really give us six minutes to begin with. I was very surprised to see six on the board and I have to admit, I was checking my watch a couple times times uh, over the course of stoppage time wondering when that whistle was going to blow.
1: Yeah. I, I saw a few Minnesota United and MLS reporters talking about the official wasn't necessarily happy with some of the time wasting tactics by Minnesota United. I don't, Personally, I didn't personally notice anything too overt, right? Just Mm -hmm. typical soccer stuff, right? You have a one goal lead. You're trying to milk time off the clock. That is part of the game. I didn't notice anything from Minnesota United being too overt. What I would say to the official in that case is, you know, you're so smart. and And I'm not saying that to mock him. You are an MLS official. You get paid to do this. So please explain to us what we're missing Because you have these big fans of the game that watch multiple games a week. We know what we're to expect during stoppage time. And this seemed to overdo it. You put on, you you know, you put on six minutes of stoppage time. If that goal would have been scored at 96, 30, we might not be having this conversation. That would maybe make sense. But 97, you said 32. 97-32
0: 9732 is what Adrian Heath said he was told the exact time that the goal was scored
1: yeah yeah and and on my end I was thinking it was like 9728 or something in that range yeah. still a little excessive so that is on the official again the official is the professional they are they are supposed to be the smart one in this situation explain to us layman why that goal was allowed to happen at 97.32.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, an explanation would be great. I think if the, if the, you know, this is a weird example to be using on an MLS post game show, but like if something like the XFL have show, has shown us anything, transparency in these review processes or in these particular cases where we're asking a lot of questions on why certain referee decisions is gonna, are going to be made. Transparency is huge in alleviating a lot of that confusion and alleviating a lot of that wondering why or asking questions. Because it was, it was one of those issues where, you know, maybe there is a good explanation for it, but we're not ever going to find out. We're not ever going to find out uh, why Rosendo Mendoza added two extra minutes on the stoppage time. Right. So that is, that's, that's where I think it, it irks me is just the lack of transparency in these, uh, scenarios, not, not necessarily. I mean, obviously the decision leaves us confused and leaves us scratching our heads, but the, the transparency is where I I get a little bit bothered from that. Um, but it is what it is. It's, uh, it's, it's the, you know, Adrian Heath said all week long, no excuses, right? No excuses at all. Uh, you know, regarding the, the absences on this team, I have to imagine that also translates to, whatever calls are being made or whatever decisions are being made or not made on the pitch.
1: Now I, I did have to ask, did you have any Jeremy and Sam on post loons deja vu? Uh, oh. Jeremy and Sam talking about Minnesota United playing and Vancouver, Vancouver and a late
0: loons, a late goal. Oh my yes. gosh. I just real I did not even think of that. I did yes. not even think of that. The last time I guess maybe not the last time we did post loons, but there was a match last season no 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 it was not no it was it, it was it was 2021. 2021
1: i had to load it up july 31st 2021 we were at vancouver it was like a 91st minute it was ethan finlay uh was seemed like he had the inside track toward the ball he of course is in uh, inside our box the vancouver player uh collides with him and is awarded a penalty for colliding with ethan finlay we never got an explanation for that
0: Something about Minnesota-Vancouver. Late drama, late referee decisions, costing Minnesota United points. Uh, It is what it is. But um, Blah, jumping in, first of all, I love the name Blah on YouTube. And it's very fun to say, hey, Blah is asking you a question. So Blah, appreciate the uh, input as always. What a truly disheartening end to a well-fought game. Yeah, and that's where I think we're going to start our three things here, Sam. Um, My first thing is actually going to start on a positive note. I thought there's a lot to take away from this performance positively for minnesota you consider the circumstances you know down seven guys who have started a match at least one match over the first three games of the season right um all seven first team international players have started at least one match for minnesota already early on in this season so you're talking about that kind of impact being lost you add on to that the emmanuel reynoso situation right so technically you could even say eight key players missing from minnesota united in this match and they take a one nil lead into the absolute death and it takes you know seven minutes 97 32 i guess the exact time for vancouver to find the equalizer and walk away from Olion's field with a point um I think it shows kind of the the character of this team. I think it shows the fight in this team. I think it shows, you know, the, the, the collectiveness of this team, this team had no business. This, this lineup being put together had no business showing really any cohesion whatsoever with so many new players and so many new places. So many guys making their, whether it's their professional debuts or their Minnesota United debuts, like there were so many guys on this, you know, who got in this match who, hadn't really ever played together in such a competitive circumstance, right? And I don't really even think preseason can replicate this kind of environment. Regular season, a match with stakes at Allianz Field, 19,000 fans. And and we saw a lot of, uh, you know, discombobulation at times in this match, but they were doing enough to get three points until they eventually didn't. But I think when you're talking about takeaways, you know, I don't leave this match saying, Man, Minnesota United has a lot to work on. I don't have that impression from this match at all. I come away from this match saying, man, you know, if if this team in this circumstance can put together this kind of performance, it makes me very optimistic for what you know a full strength, fully together Minnesota United team can do over the the course of the season. Because the sustainability has been the question. But if this team, as it was tonight, can do this, it makes that sustainability. It makes me a lot more optimistic, I guess, about the sustainability for a full strength Minnesota squad as we head further on into the uh, 2023 campaign.
1: I would agree. I originally had this as my second point. I'm going to bump it up to my first point because I think it goes along with this very, very well. We have some good depth. I know that our bench was a little bare in terms of players that have had plenty of MLS experience for this game, but you got to figure, right? Seven of our starters today or, Well, six of our starters today would normally be on the bench and you're not right. You're not using six subs in an entire game. We, we have depth when we need it. I thought Clint Irwin, for example, looked, looked the part today, obviously has quite a bit of MLS experience. We were able to just pick him up. I know we are very worried with the departure of Tyler Miller. Uh, we are very worried, what kind of backup would we have to Dane St. Clair? And actually, this reminds me a lot of, well, for the longest time, we had two starting caliber goalkeepers and we were trying to offload one, but we really couldn't get any value for one, um, you know, both making right starting caliber salaries. We weren't going to be able to get anything for Tyler Miller last year when we were trying to shop him. Not anything that would have been, not anything that would have warranted selling him anyway. When you have someone like Clint Irwin that you're able to pick up on a backup salary, who has all the MLS experience that he has with Colorado and with Toronto, and you're able to plug him in whenever you need him, And he looks the part of a starting caliber MLS goalkeeper. I I thought that that was just a great example of the depth we found, right? We've said goodbye to a lot of, you know, crowd favorites, right? Ja'Cory Hayes, respect the tuck. I was a little Mm -hmm. bit surprised to see him dismissed in the off season, but right. As we have every single season, just that, that, um, that bar just keeps getting raised for mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a starter on this team? What does it mean to be a bench player on this team? And that bar just keeps raising, right? Ja'Cory J- Hayes was a quality backup for so long. We, we said goodbye. Uh John um, you know, still is a starting caliber player in this league, just signed for Nashville, but right. He was a guy that we were like, okay, I, I think we can I think we can make up for your play with someone that is cheaper in um, terms of, you, you know, Curvin Arriaga, right? The bar just keeps raising. The bar just keeps raising. And we're doing a good job stocking up on that depth. I'm comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, depth has always been kind of a question for this team, right? What does What does this team have depth? We've thought in certain past seasons that this team had depth. And when push came to shove in times where those guys were called upon to play bigger roles, the results weren't coming. I think tonight is a great example of even when you go down past that first layer of depth, having to go down to the second layer of depth, having to sign guys on one day contracts from UFC 2 to come up and fill out the roster and them getting you know somewhat significant minutes in the second half and still kind of putting and getting a point and still putting together a performance that many would deem worthy of a win uh, tonight. I, I think that that shows that this team does have some some real depth this season to go along with a pretty darn good starting 11 too i know ray's not not here obviously and he would make that starting 11 look a lot better on paper but even without amino reynoso this starting lineup looks pretty darn good and as you mentioned the depth really showed in spades tonight um my second point has to do with just one particular aspect of this team that i'm really impressed with so far this season and that is crossing whether it's zarek valentine whether it's franco fragapane whether it's, you know, whoever is sending balls in, whether it's from a set piece or whether it's just from the run of play, this team seems to be putting cross after cross on a plate, on target, exactly where it needs to go. And that just helps you create so many dangerous chances. And I've said this multiple times, but that is so much more important that you don't have that run of play chance creator like Reynoso. You have to find new ways and sort of manifest new ways to generate chances. And, you know, Crossing and, and high-level crossing is a great way to do that. And you saw it tonight. Zarek Valentin put one on a plate from Ender Garcia. Franco Fragapane is has shown to be super dangerous in, in set-piece situations with crossing as well. Um, I'm optimistic that it sort of adds a new dimension to Minnesota's attack that they really desperately need if they're going to score enough goals to get the results they need to put themselves in the playoff picture at the season's end.
1: Yeah, um, and... Playing off of that, I was really impressed, or I don't i don't want to say, well, yeah, impressed, but also optimistic about how we've added a lot of speed to our attack as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Dunbar today, this was our first glimpse of him uh, for, for Minnesota United, brought a lot of great speed in. We've obviously seen Mender this year. Think about last year at this time, right? Think about last year at this time when we were looking to add some speed to the attack, right? Wh- who are we adding in? I, two two players are coming to my mind. Uh, who, who would who would come to your mind as far as who we are adding into our attack if we were looking to add some speed?
0: So are you talking about like last year, this year?
1: Yeah, like last year at this time, like early season last year.
0: So Bangi Longwani is somebody who came in and provided a significant yep. amount of speed to this team. Um, you know, that was, you know, if there was one thing he brought to this team, he may not have brought really a lot else, but yeah. forward, you know, north-south pace – Uh, Bongi brought that in spades last season for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I I had one more. I'm
0: gonna leave the other one to you.
1: I I thought a boo, right? Yeah. Whenever we were looking to, you know, sort of add something, right? We kept talking about that pair sort of as the super subs early last season. Mm -hmm. We kept talking about them. Now, Bongi, right, is a, is a hot prospect for us. Mm -hmm. He's really come on this year, but especially early season last year, he, he was looking pretty raw. And right, Abu, right? You you kind of know who, who he is at this point in his career. He is an MLS backup. Um, mm-hmm. He was a backup for us last year. He was he was not of he was not a starting caliber striker as much as we loved him. Right? Um, you know, you're you're my boy, Abu. Right? Like I, we love him. <laughs> yeah. We love him. But you think about trying to add speed to the Minnesota United attack last year. It, it was those guys. Well, well, now we have Bongi who has advanced in his play. We did add Mender Garcia midway through last season, mm-hmm. who has also advanced in his play. Yes. Um, Dunbar, we, we got the first glimpse of him today. And we now have, right, we now have our new South Korean signing, Sang-bin Jong, who I know was in the Wonderwall today. I saw him, yep. I saw him on uh, the Capo stand with the True North Elite. That was pretty cool on the broadcast. So we have some real speed coming in at the top. And you saw some great through balls today, uh, whether it was by, you know, Trap or Valentine, yeah. You saw some great through balls today. And, you know, I was listening to Mark Watson on Sound of the Loons who was talking about that. That's the kind of player that Sang Bing Zhang is going to be for this yeah. team Fantastic. running in behind defenders and going towards that ball. So I, I'm excited about the speed going forward. It's just not something we've been used to as Minnesota United fans.
0: Yeah, that was the 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 attacking plan for Minnesota tonight was to just try to time runs, try to send balls in behind that Vancouver defense and hopefully one gets through. Right? That seemed to be the attacking identity that Minnesota had tonight. Um, none of that really happened so much in the, in the run of play in terms of getting balls through and actually netting a goal from that. They had numerous opportunities in those circumstances, obviously the goal coming from across, but yeah, I mean, getting more speed, getting, and getting a guy like Bongi in there and, and Ben and, and adding more pace to what Minnesota United was able to do tonight when you're relying so much on counterattacking and building from the back and you're not going to have that one guy you can just give the ball to and say, Hey, here you go and make something happen uh you need pace you need guys who can run off the ball who can time runs get in behind the back line um that's what minnesota was trying to do tonight they were successful in doing that on a couple occasions unfortunately couldn't put the uh couldn't put the ball away in those particular circumstances but again when you get that full strength squad together if they're able to do that successfully through the season just adding another element another way minnesota united uh can gain goals um my final thing uh you know it's not I guess it's kind of reiterating, I guess, a point I've already made, but I mean, you you held on until you didn't. If you're the Minnesota United back line um, and Minnesota United defense, um, I asked Adrian Heath in the press conference if there was something more that they could have done to try to relieve that pressure valve, to try to maybe uh, get out and and just keep the ball away from their own box um, instead of sort of you know packing it in and and you know just taking on sustained pressure for the entire second half, which is basically what was happening. Um, And he said, maybe there were, there were times they could have sprung out on the counter and maybe if they had kind of more experienced players as a whole on the roster and had more experienced lineup, and maybe they would have taken those chances a little bit more instead of staying, staying compact and, and taking those chances from Vancouver. Um, That was really, I guess my only nitpicky critique of minnesota is maybe they could have tried more to you know sometimes your best defense is a good attack sometimes your best defense is keeping the ball away from your own goal um and i thought maybe they could have done a better job of that over the course of the second half but i mean that's again getting super nitpicky especially considering how many guys were getting their first mls minutes tonight
1: yeah you put aside right the the fact that we seem to have more stoppage time than we were supposed to have. And you just look at the stats, right? Vancouver significantly um, outdid us in terms of possession. They had like at least 10 co- corners. Um mm-hmm. I forget if the final corner was the 11th or if it was the 10th, but they had quite a few corners on us. Their expected goals was over two or right around two yep. uh compared to us at like what? 0.5 or 0.6. I'd have to look back and 0.64 so for the loans. Point six four, yeah. So stats wise, Vancouver not only won in the stats, but you know significantly outperformed us in the stats. Mm-hmm. So if you just look at the stats and don't take into context how late their goal came, right? You you really can't complain uh, from a Minnesota United perspective as to oh it, it's one one. If if anything, just looking at the stats, you're like okay, it we're lucky that it's one one, mm-hmm. but. Right. And we, we joke as Minnesota United fans because we hear this phrase, this cliche phrase so often, right? The goals change games. Well, I, I mean, the truth is goals do change games. Adrian Heath probably doesn't sub off Mender Franco and um Mender Franco and uh oh my gosh, who's the third one? I'm
0: oh uh it's Marquez came out. Hold on. I'm looking up uh Fragapani came out at the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mender and Franco and who was in Uh, Cameron Dunbar.
0: Sorry. Cameron Dunbar is. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Three players that were heavily involved in the attack. Adrian Heath subs them off. Adrian Heath doesn't do that if he's not trying to close off this game and this game wasn't so lopsided in the stats prior to those substitutions being made. We had a game plan change because we are one up. He doesn't do that. I mean, you think about the players that he subbed on. Yeah, Iwe is an attacking-minded player. But the next two that he subs on are more defensive-minded players that he subs on in favor of the attacking-minded players. He doesn't make those decisions if he's not trying to close off the game. And it almost worked. It should have worked. If you allow (laughs) Vancouver enough chances, enough stoppage time, eventually they're going to break through and they did.
0: Yeah, I mean... That that's kind of my my thinking, too, is you at some point need to relieve the pressure valve because, again, at some point the dam is going to break. They almost held on that dam, but they just they couldn't till the end. And I think it was kind of in a way you can argue the stoppage time and you can argue, you know, whatever you want to as far as the refereeing and the officiating goes. I get that. It's warranted. But at the end of the day, you need to do what you need to do to hang on to that lead. Um, you can't rely on officials to bail you out. We can't rely on out, uh, outside circumstances to bail you out in those scenarios. Adrian Heath even said this week, "No excuses," right? And so I thought they could have done more to release the pressure. They didn't, and now obviously ended up uh, conceding the equalizer. Um, Sam, I know you got one more thing here.
1: Sorry, my mute button. <laughs> guys, no worries. My my last thing is just a trivia question. Just, Ooh, a, just a I love a good question. trivia
0: question. You're, you're the trivia guy, so I should have known this was coming. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, um, okay. So Eway comes on, right? He was a mm-hmm. second-round pick for us this year. Even though he was on our second team last year, he was a second-round draft pick for us this year. Mm-hmm. So I have basically a two-parted question. How many of Minnesota United's second-round draft picks have actually signed for Minnesota United and how many have made an appearance?
0: Okay. So I know one of the 2019 guys, whether it was Gasper or Dotson, was a second-round pick. Um, so that's at least one. And then Iwe makes two. Yep. So I'm going to say they're the two to have made an appearance. But I don't know who the third is. I'm going to say there have been three that have signed, two that have made an appearance.
1: You You are correct, right, Dotson? Dotson was the first to make an appearance. Eway now the second to make an appearance, as well as the third to sign. We did sign our 2017 second round draft pick. He never made an appearance. He was a French guy, and I'm gonna butcher his name. It was it. T- Thomas de. I and I don't. I didn't take French class. <laughs> Thomas de Villardi. Okay. V i l l a r d i. Think you
0: got villarte, maybe. You got to use kind of like sure. in French. In French, I did take French class in high school and a little bit in college. I could conjugate every verb in the language, but I, you know, I couldn't have a conversation past thirty-five seconds. Uh, if John Marthaler is still here watching post loons, he is the MNUFC UFC historian, so he will probably know um, how and probably how to pronounce the guy's name. So so John if you're yeah. watching hit us with a pronunciation in the in the yeah. comments but I think the the thing we need to take away from this is I was 100% right right three of sign two of made parents
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll say you were 100% right right in in terms of the question. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. That's all. That's all that matters. Uh, Before we uh, shout out uh, one of our great, great sponsors here, let's get to a a few more of these questions. A lot of questions coming in the chat. Paul Forrester says on a positive note, I liked what I saw from the debutants. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Emmanuel Eway, Zaydan Bello, making his uh, first uh, MLS appearance. Cameron Dunbar, obviously making his first Minnesota United appearance, as is Clint, as did Clint Irwin. So a lot of young guys getting first runouts tonight, which was really good. <laughs> John Marthaler says, uh, Rosendo Mendoza says, this is not going on long enough. <laughs> and then John does have uh, info on, uh, at least we get a statement from uh, Mendoza on what happened uh, in stoppage time from Andy Grader. Uh, says, quote, a minimum of 630 was going to be played, but there were further extended stoppages for which more time was added. I think that goes to your point, Sam, in terms of maybe he saw some of the time wasting as extended stoppages. Although I also don't necessarily necessarily like the subjectivity of what a stoppage does mean um, in, uh, in soccer or Major League Soccer uh, specifically. Um, let's go to a few more of these questions. We got MJ says, what's different this year compared to last year and previous years? Do we have the two to three players now that Heath has talked about? Any other changes in the offseason as far as coaches or anything? Seems cohesive this year. Um, Not too many significant coaching changes. I think a lot of the coaching changes or additions happened at the next pro level and at the academy level. Um, I will say, and we were kind of, when the Reynoso situation was playing out in the preseason, at least my thinking was if this team is going to have success it's going to be because they find a collective identity both on the field and off the field they find a way to kind of put all the pieces together on the field to work as a as a full unit tactically and find a tactical identity where they're utilizing every player and relying on every player in some way shape or form to contribute that's i thought and then off, off the field camaraderie you know guys getting together and, and you know providing that cohesion, that, that friendship, that kinship, that can translate on the field. I thought kind of that would be the recipe where Minnesota United would find success. And I think we are kind of seeing that a little bit. I think we're seeing the absence of Reynoso providing a little bit more of a well-rounded tactical approach for Minnesota. You know, they're going to press you high with the midfielders, and if the opposition breaks that first line, then you're going to rely on your back line. To you know, stop any any attacking sequences, and then you're also going to press high, try to force that that midfield turnover, and get a short counter the other way to try to get a quality situation or, or a quality uh, scoring chance. Um, you're going to rely on crossing, you're going to rely on overlapping, you're going to rely on activity on the on the outside to try to send in crosses and generate opportunities that way. Uh, you know, that's kind of what Minnesota United has done. We saw it work in 2019. Uh, that team ended up getting the four seed in the West and hosting the LA Galaxy in the playoffs. First time Minnesota hosted an MLS playoff match was in 2019. They did not have an Emmanuel Reynosa. They did not have a talisman. They did not have one guy they could just give the ball to and let him make things happen, right? You're seeing kind of that play out here in 2023 for what I would argue, with what I would argue, is actually a marginally better top-to-bottom roster in 2023 than you had in 2019. So I think that's kind of the difference is Heath is kind of reverting back to that 2019-esque, you know, uh, philosophy, tactical identity, whatever it is, but doing so with an all-around better roster. No disrespect to the 2019 team. I know that Ozzie Alonzo, Ike Opara, you know, that was the Hassani Dotson emergency or Mason Toy did some things for this team in 2019. I don't want to disregard what that team was able to do and who that team had. But when you look at this roster as a whole and the depth, as we specifically mentioned earlier, Sam, it seems like this, this is a much better all around team kind of, you know, having that same identity and just, you know, trans- transitive property thinking there, you would think you would have better results. So, I,
1: you know, and I, I think I've texted with the dummy run guys about this. Do you think when Heath says two to three players, we're two to three players away, do you think he's just messing with people?
0: I right. think it's like a, I think it's like a, an, an like a, an English ism, like, you know, oh, we're two to three. Like, I think this is kind of like an off thing that, that that's, it's almost like, I don't know. I think it's something, cause you hear it said. Like in a lot of other like when you, if you watch English football or you 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 yeah. watch anything that two to three this, two to three that, you know that like it seems to be something that's casually just used in conversations when talking about anything that's like multiple things. So I mean, yeah, I, I think it's more due to that, but there could be an uh, a sense of him, you know, kind of messing with us too. But I mean, he's
1: not a tune out the noise type. He's not a no, I don't no, absolutely not quite the opposite, type.
0: actually. Quite. Yeah. The opposite.
1: Yeah. Like he's probably even listened to my silly podcast at least once, not because we're worth listening to, but because he just seems like the type that wants to know what people are saying. And I think that he hears Minnesota United. He hears the Minnesota United Twitter verse going off about, oh, here's he's saying two to three players again. And I think he just drops it in whenever he can just to get <laughs> us going. But I also think, right. Cause he's a funny guy. Um, I haven't met him. I know you have, I get the impression he's a funny guy. Um, yeah, but I also write like the MLS, right. The MLS is a, it's a growing league, uh, we are getting better as a league every year. We're getting better as a team every year. I think what you said earlier, Jeremy, about this team, no disrespect to 2019. Man, that was a great team. That was a that was a fun season. Very no fun. disrespect to them. I think right top to bottom, we're better in 2023. Um, even if we don't finish as high, we're better in 2023. I, I feel the 2023 team would beat the 2019 team. Well, when you keep improving year to year, you're going to need to keep getting new, new guys. You're going to need to keep getting higher quality players, maybe two to three of them.
0: It, it makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> I, th- and I think every team, honestly, when you look at the offseason, we look at who they're trying to bring in probably are trying to bring in two to three. Right, new players impact players, right? I feel like that's kind of just a a general thing. Maybe you're trying to look at. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. uh, I I think it is kind of funny how it's kind of blown up and become a thing among Minnesota United Twitter and the Minnesota United fans. And um, I'm here for it for sure. Whether it's whether it's on purpose or not, I'm here for the banter always. I'm also here for talking about our friends over at Pence Homes. I love dishing on Pence Homes. They have been supporting, uh, soda soccer since the beginning. We launched uh 13 months ago to the day actually sam is when soda soccer launched february 20th 2022 and since day one pence holmes has been on board supporting our work so you should support them not just because they support us um if you follow nate pence on twitter you know a he's huge into minnesota soccer he's a big minnesota united fan but he's also pretty damn good at his job which is helping people buy and sell homes and make them the happiest they can possibly be in that process Um, Anybody who has sold or bought a home or done both in the same process knows it's stressful. It's not really all that fun. It's not really all that exciting. It's kind of dreadful. Uh, But Nate and his team, they're able to kind of take a lot of that pressure off, a lot of that anxiety out, and just kind of guide you through the process in a way that's very uh, low pressure, but also is gonna get you top dollar for the home that you're selling and get you in a new home for a, a price that's within your budget. That's what Nate and his team do. They were just down in Florida recently for a conference where they're learning more and they're constantly getting better at what they're doing. They're constantly improving and they're constantly doing what they have to do to help all their clients out. And if you don't want to take it from me, which is fine, I probably wouldn't take it from me either, go to their website, pencehomes.com and check out the reviews. There are reviews upon reviews upon reviews. You can look them up on Google and find reviews upon reviews upon reviews of people who would give Pence Homes five stars. I even saw one that said... that said, quote, I would give them 10 stars if I could. That is the experience people have with Pence Homes. When you hire a realtor for this process, you want to make sure you're hiring somebody you trust and somebody who knows what they're doing. Nate and his team check both those boxes, people. So if you're in that process, I highly recommend you hit up our friends over at Pence Homes. Again, you can go to the website, pencehomes.com, you know, get the process started there. It's free to talk to them. It's free to have a consultation. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Um, if I've sold you here, you can email Nate directly. You see his name below, Nate, N-A-T-E, at pencehomes.com is the email if you want to hit him up. And when, when you're doing, when, while or when you're doing so, I combine both those words into one. While you're doing so, make sure you let them know that Jeremy and Sam from Post sent you over there. Uh, because you know they're uh, they're supporting us, and we want to make sure that they know we are supporting them by telling the fine people who watch our podcast about Penn's Holmes. Okay, Sam. So let's get into some of these sort of marquee moments in the match here. This has been something that I think there are a couple specific concerns that have uh, that have kind of shown themselves with Minnesota so far this season. One is set piece defending. We didn't really see that come into play tonight. The second one, though, is how they're starting the game and starting the second half, how they're starting each half. It seems like it's been a pretty constant theme that this team starts immediately each half on the back foot. And it's really shown itself specifically in these first two home matches where right off the kickoff of the game, we have seen A-plus scoring chances for the visitors within the first minute. It happened with Lewis Morgan in in the Red Bulls match, and it happened tonight where Uh, There was a shot from Vancouver, and I'm trying to find who actually got the shot. It may have been – I'll find who actually had the shot in a minute. But anyways, off the crossbar, 40 seconds into the match. This is something that – it's something to keep an eye on. If if they can't tighten this up, you know, when you're facing a team like LAFC, when you're facing the Galaxy, when you're facing Seattle, when you're facing Kansas City, Cincinnati, whoever it is, a team that can make you pay – you you could find yourself down one nil in the blink of an eye. And that is not a good spot to be in.
1: Yeah. And right. We, we tend to settle in like we haven't tended to be punished by this, but it is a recurring trait of Minnesota United in games. And right. That, that just doesn't sit well. I can't imagine it sits well with Heath. I can't imagine it sits well with the players yet. it, It keeps happening season after season. We tend to start games slow. I don't know if that's just the nature of our style of play. Um, you know, being willing to give up possess- possession a little bit in favor of just being a little bit more stingy on defense. I don't know if that has something to do with it. I don't I don't know. You, you are right. It is a recurring theme. It doesn't totally make sense. We haven't really been punished by it, but that possibility is there, right? That possibility is there. I don't have the stat in front of me, but we we tend right because and it makes a lot of sense because we tend to be a one goal a game kind of team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Not a lot of French fries uh, being dished out by McDonald's right now. Even when they even, when they even when they are
0: in the French fries, I evidently mean, there's a problem getting the French fries. So you never know.
1: Oh, I didn't. I did not hear this story. Yeah, but. there were
0: some people I, I saw on Twitter. There's some people who they, they tried to get the fries to the app and something wasn't working. And the team had to like take an extra day to figure out what was going on. It was a joke, people. You'll get your fries if Minnesota scores multiple goals. I promise. Uh, <laughs> don't don't sound any fire alarms and say Jeremy is telling you you're not going to get your fries. You'll get your fries. Anyways, e- continue. So either way,
1: right? We are a low goal scoring team. Makes sense, right? We all know this about Minnesota United. So if we concede first, we're not able to play the game that we want to play. We're not able to use the tactics that we want to play, right? You saw what in like the 60th, 70th minute, you see us transitioning out our offensive-minded players, bringing in some more defensive-minded players. You see this game after game, season after season, right? When we score first, we're able to play the game that we want to play. When we concede first and we have to be the ones trying to score, trying to score and salvage the game for us, we aren't able to play the game that we want to play. Sorry, this isn't, you know, (laughs) The these aren't these just great revelations or these great hot takes that I'm dishing out right now. I'm just kind of stating the obvious is that, you know, if we are playing sluggish in the first 20 minutes, we are eventually going to let in those goals and then we're not able to play Minnesota United football the way we want to.
0: Yeah, I mean, and if this team is going to have sustained success this season, it's something they're going to have to tighten up. Because again, if they go down, not only just go down, but go down early, it can really change the complexion of the match. Not just tactically with what Minnesota United wants to do, but if it happens at home, it takes the energy out of the crowd. It it can do a lot of things, obviously. Obviously, when you give up a goal first, it's not ideal. But it can really have a, a snowballing effect that works against you if you're Minnesota United. So something to tighten up for sure. Um, so then that was, uh, Brian White who had that, uh, that first, uh, opportunity off the crossbar after a Zarek Valentin, um, giveaway and giveaways were an issue tonight. Uh, six minute happened again. This time it was Dotson leading to a short counter for Vancouver, uh, Gressel unmarked on the far side of the box back post marking another reoccurring issue. It's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and the cross finds him beautifully. Irwin's able to deny the volleying efforts. Um, 14th minute was the first real opportunity for the Loons as Garcia presses high, forces a deflection at midfield. This is when Minnesota United, the way this team is structured, when I talk about that tactical identity of high pressing and trying to force those midfield turnovers and create short counter attacking opportunities. This is what I'm talking about Garcia presses high, for- back presses, forces a deflection at midfield, and then it's him and Amaria. Uh, it's sort of a give and go. The deflection goes towards Amaria's way, he gets the breakout pass to Garcia. But unfortunately, the Vancouver defense does recover before he can get a shot off. Um, But, I mean, we kind of saw the good and bad from Minnesota United in the early going here. Um, The 40th minute, though, is where we would get the goal. And I kind of want to stop here and talk about this for a minute. Garcia finds open space between the Vancouver center backs and talk about the crossing. Zarek Valentin right on the money, on a plate for Garcia. The Colombian finishes the header to put the loons out front. I mean, we talk about Minnesota United football. This is it. Getting guys in the box, putting, putting the cross in a good spot, having guys in the box active enough to work to get ahead on the ball. We saw it with Mickey Tapias against Colorado. Uh, we saw it with Mickey Tapias against uh, the Red Bulls, where Bongi ended up scoring off the deflection. Um, you know, This is something that they're they need production via crossing, via set pieces, just different ways to try to generate goal scoring opportunities without Reynoso. They did it here. And it, it was it was a beauty of a goal, a beauty of a cross by Valentin. He was actually foot mob man of the match. Excuse me, man of the match when you're looking at match ratings from foot mob. Um, and I thought it was well-deserved. Not only do you have a good, good uh, defensive performance, but, I mean, the assist on this goal was well-deserved. And uh, they're going to need more of this from their outside backs, uh, more overlapping, more crossing uh, to find more goals if they kind of want to be that more than one goal a game scoring team and uh, put some more crooked numbers on the board throughout the season.
1: Yeah, and I also, I, I think we can't understate the significance that it was Mender on the other end of that cross earning a yeah. second goal of the season, second goal in four games. He did not have a great game uh, in, in the last game, right? He did not have a great game. Um, shoot, why am I forgetting who we played last week? Colorado. Colorado. He did not have a great game against Colorado. Heath was not shy about that in his post-game comments about Mender Garcia. Subbed off in half yeah, that's right. Took, took him off at halftime and had some pretty, pretty harsh postgame comments on Mender. Now, I don't know necessarily how Mender responded to that, but we do know how Heath tends to, right? We, we do know the Heath doghouse. We do know how Heath tends to, you know, bench players when he's not very happy with their play. And right. Maybe this was the perfect week where Heath didn't have that option. Um, maybe Heath and Mender have the type of relationship where Heath was like, you know what? You just get right back out there. Don't worry about it. Be a goldfish as Ted Lasso would say, maybe it was that kind of thing, but we have seen a lot of Heath saying, well, you know, if, if that's the form that you're in, I'm not going to put you out, uh, in the next game. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ride the hot hand. Yeah. So I, I do not know what the circumstances were that led to Heath trusting in Mender again, but Mender repaid him for it. It worked out. He gets, again, his second goal in four games. Minnesota United has been looking for that from an attacking player for a very, very, very long time. And if this type of form continues for Mender, you can't understate the significance that that will have for the team.
0: Yeah, and I think if you take the goal out of the equation, there might have been some, uh, I guess, some more questions about Mender's performance. But hindsight being twenty twenty, after the goal, sort of looking back at the performance and what I saw from Mender Garcia tonight, I mean, he was one of those guys who was really active trying to get in behind the back line. You know, a lot of those, you know, attempted through balls that just didn't quite work were sent Garcia's way, and they they need more of that. And I thought, you know, the 4-4-2 being what it was, you know, Amaria didn't really make much of a much of an impact. He had a couple opportunities, but nothing like super significant. Uh, but I, I thought Mender was somebody who, you know, he showed enough tonight to, you know, obviously, you know, make me comfortable you know, putting him back in the starting lineup next time out. I don't think it'll be another two-striker formation with Amaria alongside him. Um, Maybe we start to see, I don't want to necessarily, you know, jump off the Amaria train too early, but maybe we see more Tanya Shea moving forward, depending on what happens. Um, Because I thought Amaria just, you know, had another one of those performances where you're looking for more from him so maybe alouche gets a longer run out moving forward maybe they you know try to mix some stuff up in the attack um but yeah i mean mender garcia has been a much needed bright spot uh, as far as goal scoring goes obviously early on so i think that's a that's a really really good shot and a good addition to that um looking into the second half this is kind of where i guess the you know we started to kind of see that pack it in and when we started to see vancouver really turn up the pressure you know we talked about starting the second half uh, well, we talked about the beginning of the match, starting the beginning of the match slow. Um, the second half, once again, an example of that. Um, Heath has talked numerous times about this team needing to be better starting halves, so whether it's the beginning of the game and the second half. Uh, tonight, obviously, will not ease his concerns there. Um, off the kickoff, pretty much, Gressel finds a mostly unmarked Dahomey in the box. Irwin's able to tip that header over the bar. Uh, let's skip ahead, though, to the uh, 51st minute. break breakout with DJ Taylor streaking along the left. Sends a really nice ball in the box towards Amaria, but it's just ahead of the striker's reach. Now, here's my question on this, because I sort of mentioned this under my breath in the press box after this happened. How many times do we see this where a cross or a pass or something is sent Amaria's way, and it's just like a step ahead of where he is? He is just a little bit behind where he needs to be to get on that ball. I don't know. I don't know enough to know if that's unlucky or if he needs to you know, be you know, moving faster or putting himself in a different position to receive those crosses. But it seems like some sort of constant theme where Amaria is just a step slow or a step off where those crosses or where those passes are sent into. I don't know if that's his fault or not, but it's something I've kind of noticed over these last couple of years.
1: Yeah. Um, so, right, and I'm watching the TV broadcast. You were in the stadium, so you had a different angle than I did. I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not looking to assign blame or anything like that. Cause right. I, I like these guys that support these guys from the TV broadcast. I thought that DJ Taylor's cross into Amaria was a little out of reach. I, I thought that it more would be, oh, if DJ Taylor could have that one back, he would just angle that slightly closer to Amaria and then Amaria would have had it that was my impression of it. And kind of based on Amaria's body language, I got the impression that maybe Amaria felt that too. Um, if I remember right, he kind of, you know, almost kind of like punched the air a little bit towards yeah. the ball in, in sort of frustration. Um, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit unsure and I'm, I'm not trying to right, I'm not trying to assign blame. Cause that, that's not, that's not what I'm about. I, I think, right. I think DJ Taylor had a fantastic game. I, think he's a fantastic player, um, right? There also was another moment later in the game where I believe it was Iwe takes a shot. It's pretty late in the game. It was one of the few times that Minnesota United had an attacking opportunity. And Iwe took the shot when, you know, Lu- Luis Amaria was was probably pretty open and would have had a better shot at the goal than Iwe did. So I, I think there were right. A couple of situations where I think you're right, where, you know, Luis Amaria, he's really probably not that far off from being Mr. 25 goals. Um, it's, it's just, he's maybe consistently just a little bit off from being Mr. 25 goals. So I, I still believe that that is there, right. I, I still believe that Luis Amaria can be right. Can be the chosen one. Um, but with that said, right, we, we have had a large sample size. We have had a very large sample size, Louis Summary, And I think, right, we're, we're kind of waiting for it to happen. Um, yeah. We've seen glimpses of it. We've seen glimpses of it. Glimpses of it. But I, I think you're right. We're always just a, a, a little bit, just a little bit off.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, not going to completely write him off, not going to completely jump on the train, but that has been one of the, I guess, themes of the early part of the season is just uh, seemed a little bit underwhelmed with what Luis San has, has brought to the table early on. And I think, you know, Mender Garcia is kind of a, uh, a surefire starter uh, next time out against St. Louis. Um, you know, so we get the debutants in the second half, we get Emmanuel Eway, we get Zaydan Bello, um, you know, let's talk about those performances specifically. Uh, we talked to Eway in the locker room after the match, just about, obviously about the disappointment of conceding late and, and the the stoppage time and everything, but also about kind of his journey. And I think this is, you know, something that we shouldn't necessarily overlook when we're talking about this match and the impact it could have moving forward. You know, if, if guys like Eway or Bello or, you know, Dunbar, you know, go on to be really high-level impact players for this team. We'll always be looking at tonight as sort of the the night that they got their official debuts for this team, right? And I think there was enough seen from at least Eway and and Dunbar. You know, Bellow didn't really get his foot on the ball. He didn't really have much much time to to really show anything. But you know, Eway comes on, and all of a sudden he finds himself streaking towards goal with the ball at his feet, right? Now, granted, maybe he didn't make the best decision with the ball, could have passed it off earlier, gotten himself an assist potentially. Um, but, you know, you look at that as like, okay, you know, he can maybe he can make something happen. Cameron Dunbar, you know, I was actually, the energy he brought and the pace he brought tonight, I was really impressed with with what, what he was able to do uh, from that standpoint. There was actually a point in the match where um, he's chasing down a ball that's heading towards the byline. And just before it crosses, he gets to it just before it crosses into the, into the, uh, over for a goal kick, just before that happens, he's able to run around it and get his foot on it. And it's just sort of like a, kind of like a blind cross and nobody gets on the end of it, but it lands inside the six yard box between like the six yard line and the post. It was like a perfectly, like, if you were to put a target on where you want to put that cross, nobody was on the end of it because everybody's kind of discombobulated. Like, that was like an, an excellent ball. So, like, there are little things you can take from this match in terms of just the, the performances overall. And We talked about this a little bit earlier that you can see as, as positives moving forward. Um, I would like to see more specifically from Cameron Dunbar moving forward, if I'm being honest uh I want to see him get a, a longer run out on the pitch um I'm excited to see what Eway guys like Eway and Bello can do and and Devin Battleford as well um and in UFC 2 this season see if they can kind of show out and maybe earn a longer run on the first team first team contracts officially if you will um but this is also when we kind of saw the bunkering down and the the taking uh taking up the the pressure and everything like that and then you end up conceding the late goal which the sequence was a little crazy, and I, I really someone I really feel for in, in this scenario is Mikhail Marquez. Um, he's trying to, he's trying to basically end the game. Uh he gets around the ball. He sort of like juggles it to try to gain possession, but in doing so, he gives it up. And what ends up happening in this sequence is you get uh, I believe it was Vite on the right sending in a deflected cross to the back post. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think we know what happens from here. Sean Bescher puts it away and that's the ball game. 1-1, the final kick of the match. Um, We've talked about the stoppage time. We've talked about, you know, a lot of the things that led to this, but Sam, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that sequence itself leading to the, uh, the equalizer.
1: I mean it was it was a fantastic goal right it was a fantastic effort you you can't take that away from Vancouver I um I did have to I, I did have to go back and I listened to the commentary by three three different crews trying to make sense of it I listened to the commentary by the Score North guys and the Score North guys kind of sounded like us where they were they were just livid trying to make sense of why why it was allowed um to go that far into stoppage time. Mm-hmm. Uh Callum Williams, right our our good friend Callum on the just normal broadcast as well as the MLS 360 guys, I you know rewound and kind of watched their take on it. All of them were just so impressed by Vancouver and none of them were talking about, I, I mean, of course, right. Cause they're not emotionally invested in Minnesota United. None of them were talking about like, Oh, Minnesota United just got robbed. They were all talking about it as this was incredibly deserved by Vancouver. Again, we talked earlier about what were the stats going into the game. If you just looked at the stats, you'd say Minnesota United was lucky to be one, one, um, uh, of, of course, we we've said I don't I don't agree with just looking at the stats when you consider the context, but it it was right like just trying to be a neutral here. It was impressive on the part of Vancouver.
0: Yeah, they were beating Again. down the door the entire second half. I mean, was, yeah, you know, it was going to come down at some point, right?
1: Don't give up until the whistle blows. That's what every coach at every level of sport you've ever played since you were kindergarten will tell you is you don't stop playing until the whistle blows. And, and that's exactly what, that's exactly what they did. I,
0: I, yeah, what, I don't know.
1: I don't have much more to say than that.
0: That's a good point. Whatever the white caps version of post loons is yeah. that's what that's the narrative. That's the, what's the, what they're saying. This team did not give up. They you know did not rest on their loyals did not say, okay, it's in the seventh minute, minute of stoppage time. We've had a billion chances. I guess it's not going our way tonight. They kept the pressure on. They forced the turnover. They turned that into something. You know, that's there's a lot of credit to be had for Vancouver as well. Vancouver has not really been, you know, as far as results-wise, not really been an impressive club over these first few matches. I think their most impressive result, aside from this one, was a draw against LA Galaxy uh, last week. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's I think that's part of the reason why a lot of Loons fans are optimistic, even down seven starters, that Minnesota could come away with three points in this one, being at home and facing a, a side, you know, that that hasn't really shown much in Vancouver. So what they're saying is, we go on the road. Yeah, it was a depleted Minnesota United side, but we're down three guys too. We go to Allianz Field, raucous crowd, and we steal a point at the death. They're going to take that a million times over. And and yeah, when you look at the stats and you look at what Vancouver was able to do specifically in the second half, generating chance after chance, after chance, after chance, after chance, it is objectively deserved for them to get that goal. When you add in the context of the extended stoppage time and everything like that, it doesn't seem so much. And when you're uh, emotionally invested into Minnesota United, you ve- you definitely seem hard done by, by this. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. You play until the whistle blows, right? You play until the final whistle blows. doesn't matter if it's 90 minutes on the dot. It doesn't matter if it's 104 minutes. You play until the whistle blows. And credit to Adrian Heath. He did not make any excuses in the second half. He stuck to what he said all week long, not making excuses. He translated that into this moment. He did say he was not given an explanation when asked the referee after the match of why there was stoppage time. Obviously, we got the explanation courtesy of the pool reporter. But There, he did not make any excuses in the post-game press conference and did not blame the officiating or the referees. He did seem very pissed off that there was 90 seconds added uh, to the stoppage time, as I feel like any manager would be in that scenario. But he did not once say or indicate that that was why they lost. Um, And uh, so, I mean, that's the context to take into this is or that's something to take away from this is, look yes you feel hard done by you're probably pissed off you you know you it's easy to blame the officials but at the end of the day um you know you 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 play the hand you're dealt and the hand Minnesota was dealt was down seven starters packed it in defensively for the second half you know they took in a lot of chances and eventually one found the back of the net it's soccer it's soccer like this is the sport it's it sucks at times it's the best thing ever at times But that's sort of the contract the unofficial contract you sign when you become a soccer fan is you have moments and nights and circumstances like these
1: that you do that you do very unforgiving game
0: it is it can give you everything you want and more at times and it can take everything away from you at times but one thing that we will not take away from you is the opportunity to learn more about our friends at colossal kits the newest partner of soda soccer and the post loons post game show Guys, if you haven't checked out Galasso Kits yet, just go to the website. And just, you can like play around on the Galasso Kits website. This is like my favorite thing to do. So you go to GolassoKits.com and you go in the search bar, search any team you want. National team, Premier League, Serie A, MLS, doesn't matter. And see what unique vintage jerseys they have on their website. And guess what? They have two vintage Minnesota United jerseys, NASL era Minnesota United jerseys on their website as well. So if you want to get yourself some vintage loons merch, you can do that at Galasso Kits. If you want to get yourself a you know a, a '90s Arsenal kit, uh, if you want to get yourself a you know a, a, a really cool U.S. soccer you know zip up uh, that's kind of vintage, you can do that as well. Whatever team you like, whatever team is yours, you can find something for you at Galasso Kits. So again, it's GalassoKits.com, G-O-L-A-C-O Kits dot com use code loons i know it says 20 percent off that's a typo on my part when putting this thing together i apologize it's 15 percent off when you use code loons at colossokits.com. kits.com check it out you won't be disappointed Uh, cannot thank the guys at Colosso kits enough for sponsoring the post loons post game show and what we're doing at sodasoccer.com really appreciate it okay let's get go oh, I, more- I hadn't heard of this i'm on there right now the prices aren't bad no the prices aren't bad it's like unique vintage type stuff so it's not like you're buying the you know the 2023 yeah. northern lights kit from minnesota united as as cool as i think that kit is you're you're getting like old school type type merch and type kits from uh, golasso kits and apparel too it's not just kits again they have like a us soccer zip up they have a lot of different they have hoodies they have a lot of different jackets they have a lot of different things so check them out golassokits.com really cool website. Again, you can just kind of play around on there and see what they have. Uh, And you can spend hours doing that because they have a wide, wide selection. Okay. Let's get to some more of these questions and comments that we uh, may have overlooked. Chris Alphabet talking about the officiating says, how do you even get to six minutes? There was little stoppage. I was honestly surprised when I saw six minutes come on the board as well. Um, So there is something to be had there. MLS updater. Uh, Mike from MLS Updater. I was actually just on his podcast last week talking about MLS week four. Um, you know, had a lot of fun on there. Good friend of the show said, Missed the game, but curious as to how Garcia and amaria played as a partnership. And did Minnesota really play a 4 4 2? Yes, Minnesota did play a 4 4 2 for reals. It happened. Um, you know, they didn't light the world on fire, but it was their first time doing so in a game situation. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, Let's see. Who else do we got here? Um, John answering our question on the Frenchman. Send it was pronounced Thomas D. Irrelevant. Uh, thanks for that, John. All Appreciate right. it. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Marcus Huntsinger bringing us home with the questions here. Says, is it a problem that get Vancouver, a team that hasn't won yet this season, was the dominant side for a majority of the game? Um, no. Is it annoying? Yes. Uh, and on this night? Yes. But – is it going to make me lose sleep? And is it going to make me, you know, pessimistic about Minnesota United's chances the rest of the way this season? No, it's not. If they played this way with a full strength squad, if they, or they played to this result with a full strength squad, then maybe there might be a little bit more anxiety and a little bit more questions to be asked. But I mean, with what they were, the hand they were dealt tonight, you know, the 1 1 draw, if you were to ask me before the game, hey, you'll take a 1 1 draw tonight, I would take a 1 1 draw tonight. So, and I thought there were more positives and negatives to take away.
1: I'm trying to think at what point in the second half I started, you know, nail biting. It wasn't immediate, like they, Vancouver had a good second half, but it wasn't until right. Minnesota United does this, right. The, the final 10, 15 minutes are the worst, mm. <laughs> right. I, I felt like this was one of those games.
0: Yeah. So, and uh, and I, I don't want this to come off as, so when, Eway and when Eway came on specifically, and then Bello came on a few minutes later. You could see that this was kind of new to them. You could see that there was some discompopulation. You could understand that this is not, these are not two guys that have just been training nonstop with the rest of the first team the entire season. Um, It it did kind of prevent, present some um, lack of cohesion amongst the squad. And I think between that and the fatigue, That those are probably two big reasons why we kind of saw you know the last 30 or so minutes that we did. I think it was right around that 65th or 70th minute that things really started to the pendulum really started to swing Vancouver's way. So that's a good point. All right. So on tap, we're going down to St. Louis next Saturday. Um, it is our is the loons' first ever MLS match, uh, against St. Louis City SC. Um, I think the doubloons and the STL city second team played last season uh, during the MLS next pro season. Um, So I don't know if it's necessarily the first ever matchup between St. Louis city and the loons, but from an MLS perspective, it is their first matchup and first time down to city park in St. Louis too. So that should be a lot of fun against the St. Louis city team that, you know, I I actually didn't, don't know how they did tonight. I'm going to look it up right now. I haven't didn't pay any attention aside. They were up
1: like three, nothing. prior to us hopping on
0: four nil win over real salt lake five of five for st louis wow um not going to be an easy match (laughs) obviously with that in consider uh, with that in consideration um but it'll it'll be a measuring stick for this minnesota united team you'll have everybody back presumably um you're going on the road to a team that is five oh and oh to start not only their, you know, to start the season, but also start their MLS expansion, just their MLS tenure as a whole. Um, This is going to be a big measuring stick for this Minnesota United team because the only good, the team that you could say is objectively good that this team has played so far this season is New York, and that was the snowpitter. It's tough to take anything away from that. So unless there's a foot of snow that's going to drop in St. Louis between now and next week, in which I highly doubt, this is kind of going to be our first real measuring stick for how this Loons team can match up with another top contender. Obviously the team is number one in the supporter shield right now. I'm personally pretty excited to see how Minnesota matches up against the side that's playing as well as St. Louis.
1: Yeah. And we got the doubloons playing there the day after. So mm-hmm. any, any Minnesotans going down there, I know it's spring break for a lot of people. You get to see a little double header should be a good time. Jer- Jeremy, you have some St. Louis connections. Are you going down?
0: uh no i am not but jacob schneider is we're actually sending jacob down for the match we're going to be on site in st louis for this one he is he was Very bugging cool. me about it uh wanted to go check out the new stadium down there so uh we're going down there or well, i guess so does soccer uh as an entity is going down there i'm not going down there jacob is so it should be a lot of fun no sam it's wrestlemania weekend next weekend so oh, i have yeah. i have yeah. other things that i need to be uh prioritizing uh, I'll, I'll still be here. I'll still be on post next weekend, although I might be slightly distracted, but, um, yeah, I think all in all, it should be a lot of fun. That should be a really fun matchup between Minnesota and St. Louis excited again to see how they match up. And then Easter Saturday, you go to Chicago to take on the fire at soldier field. Um, that should be an interesting one as well. I guess the fire side that, you know, we don't really know what to, what to make in the early part of this season as well. So there's a lot to be, um, excited about for when these guys get back, and Adrian Heath assured us this week that um, there shouldn't be any travel issues with with guys getting back in time and getting you know the jet lag out and whatever they got to do to be ready for for Saturday against St. Louis. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, but Sam, any any closing notes, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: No, other than if Soda Soccer ever wants to send me to any of these games, you know, I can I can cover. Okay, sounds our, good. We'll keep you. Are we you, going to Miami this year? If you want to send me <laughs> Miami, LA, I'll be, yeah. be on standby.
0: You'll uh, be on standby for for a match. We'll we'll let you know. We'll let you know if we need you. We'll we'll call you in from the bullpen if we, yep. uh, if we need you yep. to use a uh, baseball reference. I'm good reference. for that. All right. Well, I'm looking over to my side, and everybody else has left the press box, so I should probably get out of here before the lights get turned down on me. Um, sure. He is Sam. Sam, tell everybody where they can find you and find your podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm on Pod on You Loons with my good buddies, Justin and James. Uh, You can find us on any podcasting platform, just Pod on You Loons. You can find us on Twitter, at Pod Loons. You could find us on Facebook or Instagram, but we don't do a good job uh, updating it. You can also find me at Cheesehead Loon on Twitter. Though, to be honest, not too active. So just find the podcast.
0: There you go. Cheesehead Loon himself, Sam for Panani Loons. Thank you so much for joining the show, man. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm Jeremy Rushing. Thank you guys so much for your support of Soda Soccer. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next week after Loons and St. Louis City. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Peace out, everybody.